Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a disco cab here <laughs> in 2020. Tina, I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today to talk about a movie they were actually involved in, we have Betsy Beers. Uh, she executive produces all the Shondaland shows. She's Shonda Rhimes' is producing partner. And she was, what was your title on the Movie? Um, I would have been the yeah producer, and she produced two hundred cigarettes. Yes, with a bunch of other people too. But you know, uh, I'm the only one here. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> it. Was it the first thing? One of the first things you? It produced? was the first thing that I actually produced with my name on it that no. I was responsible for in a lot of ways that are both good and bad. <laughs> That's awesome. It started everything. We love this movie. We did love this movie. Um, hold on. We also have Guillermo Diaz <laughs> here. Sorry. <laughs> hold on. I, I'm the one who takes you on a tangent and goes, hold on. Yeah. All right, so wow. Guillermo Diaz also was in this movie. He was yeah. in Half Baked. He was in Scandal for years. He is now going to be in United We Fall, which is on ABC, <laughs> um, where he's yeah, where he's playing a conservative dad. And if you know Guillermo's work, you know that's a perfect role for him, um, <laughs> or his face, or his tattoos, or his earrings. It's Every, obvious. Everything about him. Yeah. Yes, it's just perfect. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you, guys. Uh, or his work in this movie, where he plays. Uh, Casey Affleck, like a punk rocker. A, yes, punk him and Casey are, you know, yeah. obvious, great hair. Obvious Trump voters. Was it was it um, real hair? Or did they dye your hair? Was uh, it a wig? Do you uh, that was all my hair. That was Amazing. all my hair. Yeah, my it's character's name hair. is Dave. Yeah, at least Dave. you got a name. Affleck and uh, yeah. Chappelle yeah. didn't. Yeah, bartender. I he think was, was. Yeah, that was that was bartender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He was yeah. the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he seemed okay with that at the time. Yeah. But. 
There yeah. you go. <laughs> it was an interesting year for Ben in 99. He had Forces of Nature and 200 Cigarettes. Those were his uh, He his also had just uh, one for uh, yes. another Ever little hunting. movie. Yes. yes. So, yes. yeah, oh, he was wow. some- it was an epic, epic year, and I think we probably were the crowning I'm achievement. Sure. Yeah, yeah, the jewel in the crown, really. <laughs> Bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Look, any asshole can play a character with a name. That's true. true. It's true. Like Dave. Like me. Dave over here. But yeah. Ben embraced the full three-dimensionality of bartender. <laughs> That's he bad. did. He did. Yes. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He, I believe he was a bartender. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Um, here's the, so we we did 200 cigarettes did. with Sean O'Connor. We did. Um, Okay, so we're done. <laughs> no, 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 okay. No. No. Sean was a disaster. Sean, and since Sean has gone on to great things. He has. So he's, he's now he's the exec, exec producer of the Lily Singh show. He is. He so is. you guys have some really exciting things to look forward to in your careers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you much. Come, you come on yeah. our podcast talking about 200 cigarettes. Things yeah, go great. You get the, the podcast bump. So, yeah. So, and our, our journey through that podcast mm-hmm. went from. Do we like this movie to, oh my God, we fucking love this movie. Is this movie. a masterpiece? Yeah. Is this one of our favorite films of 99? I think it, it it's, we just, as is the case with this podcast, we kind of, you know, we talk about the whole plot. We go through the whole thing. And as we talk it out, we either, I feel like we either go against the movie or for the movie. And we just really fell in love with it by the end of the movie. We were just like, is this movie fantastic? And I do think that part of it is... And I, I'll speak for myself here, but who doesn't love a movie that culminates in a party where all the characters meet? It, mm-hmm. it just, it's very organic. It's just always fun to sort of be like, I've been on this journey with all these people, and now they're all going to hang out together. But there's no party. But we don't see the party. Yep. It's photographs of the party. Which I love. Yes. That's one of my yeah. favorite parts. Yeah. All right. Let's stop talking, me and you. We have guests. Yeah, 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 we have guests. <clears throat> I'm really enjoying listening to you talk about this. <laughs> well, I mean, we listen. We love it. We really did. We really did. Uh, so I'm going to give a so very brief synopsis for the people that maybe didn't see this movie or that, didn't listen to our previous podcast about it. That's a good it. idea. Uh, this ensemble comedy follows an array of young people in New York City on New Year's Eve. Among the numerous characters looking for love and fun are impulsive artist Ellie, who's played by Jeanne Garofalo, Punks Tom, played by Cassie Affleck, and Dave, played by Guillermo Diaz, who met up with Steffi, played by Gabby Hoffman, and Val, played by... Christina Ricci, two girls from Long Island, also interacting with various partygoers are a pensive bartender, played by Ben Affleck, and a taxi driver, played by Dave Chappelle, who operates a disco in his cab. Uh, 200 Cigarettes opened on February 26th, 1999. Uh, it's So the director of this film was a casting director, correct? Risa Berman Garcia. So this cast is crazy. I mean, yeah. it's one of the more incredible cast of 99, I think, in terms of not just the people that were already names in it, but the people that had careers coming out of it. Yep. A lot of that stems from, I'm assuming, her or... Risa. Yeah, 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 no, totally. Because I think the history of this was that I think about a year or so, a couple of years before, I was working at Mike Newell's company, Mike Newell being a director who did Four Weddings and a Funeral, Donnie Brasco, mm-hmm. other famous films for some people who aren't necessarily up on Mike Knowles' oeuvre. Um, Harry, but Potter. Harry, Harry Potter. He did a Harry Potter. I think so. Wow. He did, yeah. yeah. So, but that was way after my time. Yes, sure, Way sure. after my time. Um, you were there for Donnie Brasco? Yeah. Uh, so, he, I know, right? Oh, really it's, good. it's a great movie. Yeah. So, we all fell in love with this script, which was by Shanna Larson. Um, and it took us a while to put the movie together and find the right person for it. And almost from the get-go, Risa, who had done some directing but had not done a ton of film directing, um, was an incredibly experienced casting director. She pretty much knew everybody, and she had this sort of genius concept for the film. And we kept talking about it. And P. 
people kept bringing up names of more experienced people. And I kept going, you know, I've just got this thing because I think Risa really loves it and Risa really understands it. And one of the things as we started talking to what later became our partners, which were MTV, mm-hmm. Paramount, and Lakeshore, Lakeshore being the sort of, I think, the last one to the parties, I remember, they were they were sort of like, well, prove it. Like, you're so fancy, prove it. <laughs> and so Risa and I would look at each other and she said, okay. I can get a lot of really great people. And the first thing we did in order to um, sort of make people feel more confident about what we were doing was we did a couple of versions of scenes and we just shot the scenes and they mm-hmm. had different actors in them. We put very oh, wow. fancy people in those and I did the music supervision, which I'd never done before. And we put the scenes together and they greenlit the movie or they okayed the movement towards greenlighting based on that. Wow. And I think they were, there was a scene that would have been originally, it would have been Jay Moore in a Kate Hudson scene. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, oh, it was one of the party preparation scenes. So that was sort of the beginning of it. And then like Risa sort of went wild and said, well, who do we want? Like, who should we get? And the interesting thing is when you look at it in the, at the point that we made it, as you said, a lot of those people, it was Kate Hudson's second movie, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think very many people knew Casey Affleck. You were relatively new on mm-hmm. the scene. So there was this really great mixture of people who might be familiar, like Courtney Love and Paul Rudd, who is still yeah. coming off high from, Clueless you know, Clueless and, and also Object My Affection. My Affection. Yeah, yeah. And, was, and Dave Chappelle, who was relatively, I was... I was, it was relatively new to me, but it was sure. great. And we loved, so what was great was it was sort of this incredibly fun mix. And the challenge of the movie was that we only had 35 or 36 days to shoot it. And we had all these actors and we had to get them in and out. And it was almost all nights. So it's we, a lot yeah. of exteriors too. We, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so your entire storyline right? feels yeah. like it was outside. In the night mm-hmm. in yeah. New York, yeah. in the East Village. And you were sleeping on trash. <laughs> yeah, and it was freezing out. You were sleeping on trash. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it being really cold. It was freezing. Yeah. Really cold and everybody's in party clothes. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of horrifying what we put everybody through, including me. But <laughs> because I'd never done it before, so I had no fucking clue what I was sure. doing at all. And we kind of got through it by cook or by crook. But the hardest thing was you literally only had like two or three days with an actor and then they were gone. So you had to get everything. Well, that was going to be my question, which is I'm assuming that the storylines are somewhat self-contained, right? So you could shoot someone out, right? And just do all their stuff. Yes. Sort of the, okay. to, to some degree, you <clears throat> could you could kind of do it in blocks modularly. Right. But my memory was there were certain, there were character, the Paul Rudd character and the Courtney Love character crossed over a lot. And there mm-hmm. were certain characters that did sort of intersect with other characters, but for the most part, we were able to sort of drop and pick up. And they, it was it was like so many things. We had somebody who had been originally cast for the part that Gene Garofalo ended up playing. And we had three days to find somebody. And oh, wow. we yeah. called in a favor. And Janine really sweetly just showed up and did it. Um, which was wow, really, really, amazing. really kind of her. Yeah. She was so good. And yeah, she was great. so good yeah. in the movie. She was so amazing. Yeah. But the whole thing was sort of like that. It was like... It almost didn't get made like 4,800 times. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems, first of all, it must have been a real baptism by fire, right? I mean, it's the first thing, <laughs> thing you've ever done. But he must have learned a lot about how to produce a Only movie. Only a just, first-time producer would have had all exterior night shoots. <laughs> I know. It's like, I always like yeah. to go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. In New York City. Freeze, freeze your ass off in New York City. With a gr- and it was all kids. I mean, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. it's also like I'm granny in comparison to most most of these kids <laughs> at that point because I'm like 38 uh-huh. and 39, something like that. Yes, 
Listeners, I am very old now. That's not true. I'm an old crow. In those days, I was really young and sprightly. And I didn't know the most basic things. Like, I didn't know you weren't supposed to. And for any listener who's not totally familiar with film and the way the the union rules, um, let's just say that I didn't know you weren't supposed to, like, move shit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know how much people know about New York Teamsters, but... You don't, or like union, yeah, like yeah, yeah. prop guys. Sure. Don't, don't pick up the apple don't, box. Don't break the rules. No. Yeah. And I was really lucky because I was on a set with really nice people who would come up to me and go, okay, you seem like a really nice kid. You're about to get totally grievanced. So you need to put oh. the chair down. And it was like that everywhere. We, I ended right. up like helping. It was, it was like mom and pop had a show because Reese and I were just like running around constantly <laughs> going, I don't know. What do you think should happen? And she was great. She was like, baptism by fire, like incredibly kind of cool and fun about stuff and dealt with things incredibly well. But it was everything from like me not knowing what I didn't know and the best brief advice I ever got, which was one of these poor grips came up to me and said, honey, everybody knows you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So I really recommend oh if you don't know anything, just admit it. And it's the best piece of advice I ever got. So yeah, everywhere I go now, I just go, I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> and you know what? People love to help. They love to actually tell you what they know and help. Yeah. No one's ever given you that advice, huh, Phil? No. 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 <laughs> I, I want to say one thing. Yeah. I wish there was, you know how you have before you start to shoot the safety meeting and now you have the sexual yeah. harassment meeting? Yeah. There should we didn't be. have those. No, I, I believe that. Back in 1842. <laughs> no. <laughs> we made this one. Well, yeah, when, when Thomas Edison invented yeah. all these. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, no. There should be a, like, a, like an etiquette meeting. Or slash oh, yeah. like union rules meeting. Yeah. Yes, because I, I agree with that. Like I was in a, I was in a casting meeting once, and I asked an actress her age, and everyone was like, "Yo, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I know." But no one was you like, know. no one was like, yeah. "You can't do that." And yeah. then after they left the room, everyone was like, "You can't do that." And I'm like, "How is this? I just, I just, just trying to but cast it's true. Even just being on set too, just not knowing like, yeah, that we, kind you know, of stuff. Not, when you can laugh, when not to laugh. You know, you know, as a as a writer, you. Can't talk to the actors, only yeah. to the directors. Yeah. You ha- no one yeah. tells you this until you screw oh, and I, up. I made that mistake too. Oh yeah, I made every mistake in the book. You pretty much just took off. we all have, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, just the good thing. Yeah. Do you remember? Hey, Guillermo, do you remember getting cast in this? Oh like, yeah, I'd yeah. Like to know that. Um, yeah, I remember Vaguely. going into the audition and seeing uh, Risa there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing you. Were you there? there. I'm sure you were there. Had you met and with I, Risa before? I'd, I'd auditioned for stuff. Yeah, yeah. With Risa. And she was always so nice and so lovely. And, and I remember being shocked that she cast me in this movie with all these amazing people. And the script was so good and so funny. And um, yeah, I just couldn't believe that she was casting me. I mean, I didn't have any lines in the movie, <laughs> but I, except for one. No, I have you no went, lines. Except at the line. At the very end, I say, cool. That's it. And that's it. I mean, because you, I, I say this, yeah. you leave such an impression. Like the oh. character is there, but truthfully, like, I'm not just saying that it's, yeah. I assumed you had lines, if that makes any sense. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I the too. way that all of that, your storyline, which is one of my favorite storylines in the film, the four of you have really great chemistry. And I guess my question yeah. is, what was it like working with, with Gabby and Christina oh and, and it Casey? Was, it was so crazy. I remember just partying in the in the hair makeup trailer. Mm, I remember that too. With music and yeah, more about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just 
just I just remember being that person going, "Do I do something?" <laughs> do you remember that, Betsy? I there were. Let's just say there were some parties going on. Yes. Oh, people yeah, got people so got great. into the spirit of the movie. Yeah, sure. But also, our characters were partying the whole time, right. drinking beer and smoking weed. You're supposed to look like a mess. So we're like, we gotta look kind of messed yeah, up, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, You're sitting there with Affleck. He's gonna go method, right? <laughs> yeah. Affleck, Hoffman, Ricci. Like, I know that they're. I, I'm not even kidding. Like, think about yeah, the, yeah. the people you're with. Like, they're they're gonna shove drugs yeah. down your throat. Like, that will not be in a scene if you are not yeah. totally yeah. conked. It, but the truth is that it's you. The four. I mean, you and Casey felt like friends. Like that that chemistry and and Christina and Gabby, who go way back. I'm assuming yeah, to, felt to like now sisters, and again. Or, even though, oh, yeah, sisters. that's yeah. right. Yeah. So like they felt like friends. So that sort of the four of you really it interacted incredibly well. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, we all got along super well and just had a blast doing it. We just, and we're, I remember just jumping into it really quickly. Right. And it just started happening. And then, yeah. Do you remember was, how long you were shooting for? I want to say like a couple of weeks, maybe you were on a long, stretch. I was on a long time. The people yeah. who were super, I think the, the people who are slightly more naming, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody like Ben at that point, those were real, like, jump in, jump outs. Sure. But you, Kate Hudson and Jay Moore, there were a couple of runs that went a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then there was a solid chunk, and we started filming with Martha in the apartment. Uh, and I think that was, like, the first block we did. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if we ended up dropping or picking her up, but that was, like, a week. I mean, it was, like, it was a solid Jeez, chunk of time. Yeah. I want to ask a question about the casting. So th- I mean, this movie, obviously, so um, kind of – I don't want to say cast dependent, but kind of, you know, there, there's something very, very marketable about this cast. And uh, it seems like from what you were saying, you know, Risa kind of called in a few favors, but it, it also feels like everyone cast for these roles were cast so perfectly. That's because she's so good. I mean, she's, she's so she's good. such a good casting person. And she she's just such a smart woman. You should do a whole separate podcast with Risa. Oh, she mm-hmm. yes. I'll, I'll call her and we'll bring oh, her on she in. She would love that. She's, love she this. would love that. And she's... She's like, she's just very, very smart. And she was one, I never really worked closely because I don't know if you guys know this. I'd never done this before. So <laughs> did I mention that? Yes. So Tell us more. I really, it was amazing. I was just, I was like a woodgen. So uh, I literally, your favorite singer. Thank you. Thank so you. You're welcome. Very welcome. <laughs> so like watching Risa work was, we would look at different people and, I, we always sort of had the same instincts about stuff, but she could articulate perfectly why this person would embody something. And it was, there were some people who immediately you saw, like we saw you and it was like, yeah. oh my God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. But then there were other people, like we went back and forth in terms of what's the right fit. And she's, it was, she was just really, she she is really, really good at um, identifying kind of the strength and the depth of a character actor and actor and putting them in the right part. So I, who sure. was the one who saw the lead singer of Hall, Kurt Cobain's ex-wife <laughs> and said, I think you're Drew Barrymore inside. <laughs> Cause uh, she so is true. in this movie. I think yeah. she is the heart and soul of this movie. Yes. If it wasn't for Courtney love, this would not be as good of a movie to me as it was. And I love her so deeply in this, in this movie. movie. Yeah. Um, there was, She's this so is my good. memory of this, but they were, we were, we were searching around for the person to play this part. And my memory was her manager at the time who I think I remember who it was, but her manager at the time, <laughs> who's a lovely guy, really smart. I remember him kind of saying, 
have you thought about Courtney Love? Have you thought about Courtney Love? And we'd seen People versus Larry mm-hmm. Flynn. It's in '98, I believe. That so was earlier. It was '90. It would have been was a little it? bit earlier because we okay. ca- like it was, yeah, it was literally 96. right after that. Yeah, I think it was '96. And she had sort of like burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And initially, you know what? Actually, I think it was MTV because it might have been oh, him and then MTV and MTV saying, "Have you ever really looked at her?" And we were both like, "That's interesting." Like we hadn't thought about that, but that because we've never really seen her do anything yeah. like this. And it was funny. We met with her, and. She was absolutely opposite to what you know. Think, you know you I think mean? she is Courtney Love, and she was. Right. She really wanted to play the part. She really, she really was feeling like you know this was the way she wanted to stretch. And sitting with her, you kind of went, "Oh my God!" There's this really soft, vulnerable kind human. of human, yeah, yeah, wacky, yeah. and we'd seen that in the other movie. And it was sort of like, oh, it'd be really, really fun to play with that color. And then we cast Rudd after that, I think. Oh, wow. Well, I was going to say that one of the one of the strengths that I think Risa brings this is the pairs. Like, she, it really is. It's two handers in terms of the scenes themselves, right? So sure. understanding how people play off of each other yeah. is just really key. Like Paul Rudd and how he plays off of, of oh, Courtney so Love, good together. You know, and how how you play off of Casey. Whatever, it, it's really yeah, interesting. Gabby the pairing, and Christina and, or Jay Moore and, and Kate Hudson, Kate, like understanding how those <clears throat> pairs work and how they can bring out interesting things in each other yeah, is absolutely. really key. No, and I, I like I'm sitting here going like, who was cast first? I don't remember who was cast first, but when we put them together, it was just. It's magical. And, and Paul had, they talked music in common, and Paul had this very specific feeling about how he wanted to play the character. Uh-huh. So a lot of a lot of the stuff, he, he really wanted to lean into some of the comedy. And I was like, wow, I've never really seen him do anything like that, because I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, he was really good, but I was like, yeah. really, you want to lean into comedy? Cut to, <laughs> to yeah. just, why don't I just so throw you, up on myself? Yeah. <laughs> brought up MTV, which I just uh, quickly wanted to ask about what it was like working with MTV films, because they had a really interesting year in 99. They had Varsity Blues, The Wood, election. This Election. election. Okay. Um, it's an interesting array of movies, and they don't exist anymore. Sort of what it was like working with them at that time. So one of my oldest friends who I worked with when I was at another company, uh, his name is David Gale, and he, with Van Toffler, was at MTV. So I already knew them really well. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we had this project, and we we really we needed the support to a large degree. And the great thing is because what we were talking about was like, it's New York, it's 1981, it's clearly music. David was like, this is perfect for us. We all agreed that it was a great partnership. And I don't think I could have gotten through it without David because hmm. both David and Van were incredibly supportive. And the, let's just say that there were bumps along the road in particular areas. And <laughs> they were they came in sort of as the muscle huh. because they had the street cred. And they also were responsible, as I remember, for getting us because we had this idea that we were going to sprinkle – um, famous musicians through the movie, and we only sp- sprinkled two. Sprunkled, I think two or three. Sprinkled. Yeah, I think uh, well, Elvis Courtney Costello. Love would be one well, of them Courtney too, would, right? But no, no, Courtney was in a part. This was literally cameos. Oh, okay. And it was with one other bartender in the back. Okay. Um, if, I'm not going to say who. You'd have to go look. Placido okay. Domingo, I saw him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, that's a little trivia question for anybody. If you can <laughs> see this gentleman yeah, in the back of the bar. I didn't know that. Okay. So, um, and Elvis Costello being in the photo. And Elvis end. Costello being in the photo, but he also, there's a cameo from my Comes in or out. Cuts right? in okay. and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he in the bed? <clears throat> Probably not. 
I don't remember. With actually. with Janine? Yeah. No, I don't think Someone so. was in the bed. Someone was in the bed. Just because you, yeah. just, you just hear him, you don't see uh, him. Not that that, I mean. And he um, <clears throat> was the person who was, he was, could not have been lovelier. And I was a massive, sure. freakishly massive Elvis Costello <clears throat> fan. You were. Oh my God, I was such a freakishly massive Elvis Costello <laughs> fan. And when I met him, because I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. He's going to do this cam. He's going to walk through the scene. Because I think he walks past Rudd or something mm-hmm. and they bump with each other. So... He was very gracious, and I remember he said, so I said, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. He said, really? So what's, what's your favorite album? And I was like, oh, Imperial Bedroom, Imperial Bedroom. And his whole face lit up. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, he was like, Imperial Bedroom? I said, oh, my God, I can sing this entire fucking album for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Imperial Bedroom. And he was like, nobody ever says Imperial Bedroom. That, that's wow. I love Imperial. So we started, and he, got, he was really nice, and he ended up kind of helping me get music. So when oh, I was wow. looking for music for the cut, he was sort of like, I'm going to put some tapes together for you because you might not know this band or that band. And then I was explaining, I was like, oh my God, they're all, I want to use these big songs, but I don't, I, we can't afford them. And he's like, don't, don't, let me just, really? let me see what I can do. And he was really helpful in reaching out to people and convincing them to participate. So he was great. What and a cool dude. Huge, That's a really cool wow. dude. Huge, huge debt of his Because I'm assuming with a $6 million budget, you didn't have a ton from music. It was a little more than that, <laughs> okay. but not much. Okay. Actually, it was, yeah, you could be about right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's what the internet says. That's what, what the internet, internet says. Know? I mean, I think probably you're right because they kept cutting it down. <laughs> 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 that's all I know. It yeah. started at one figure and then it got depressingly low. Uh, okay. And everybody was sort of like, you made this for 10. I was like, okay, you're drunk. I mean, it looks, <laughs> it, looks it does look great though. I didn't, I mean, I didn't ever feel like the movie looked like a, you know, for what that's no worth, a $6 way. Dollar, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, part of it is, you know, it's the costumes, it's the, you know, all that sort of stuff. What was it like? Did you, I guess, did you feel like you were in the eighties? Was the whole thing, were you yeah. listening to the music at the time and just trying to sort of immerse yourself in that? I, I don't think I, I didn't really have time. It all happened so <laughs> okay. quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I grew up in the eighties. So, so okay. I, you know, I understood it right away, but I remember our costume designer. I don't remember her name, mm-hmm. but she was amazing. She, she kept finding great. these pieces that were super authentic. Like I wore a, ja- a leather jacket with like a skull in the back, I think. And, and just <clears throat> all the, this like pl- these plaid pants with like a skirt thing. It was just <laughs> yeah. super cool. <laughs> you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. I, do you remember Betsy? There was, there was one night that I th- Betsy came up to me and she was like, um, do you mind sticking around? Because there was one actress, Angie, Angie Featherstone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember her character's name. Do I remember this? Oh my God. Yes. But they, they didn't get a shot of her, of her being driven away in a cab that they okay. needed to get of her from behind. Right. Correct. And my hair looked just like her hair. <laughs> <laughs> so Betsy so you're the came into my trailer or outside. I remember and was like, Hey Guillermo, will you do the- Do you this- do me a favor? Cause yeah. the other option was I was going to have to dye my hair and get in the back of the cab. Stop it. Seriously. I mean, I also, we ran out of designs for a set <laughs> and I remember my, this wonderful set designer and I were like, she was like, nobody really covered this. I was like, dog surfing. We'll just do the whole bar. <laughs> It was like dogs, oh, wow. like a tiki bar with dogs uh-huh. or something. She's like, okay, that's a terrible idea. I guess I have to do it. Cause, but, but there was this moment, because it was, really was like mom and pop put on a show. And Reese and I were, but Reese was directing. She was like, I can't get in the car. And I said, well, I'll, I'll dye my hair. And then I looked at Guillermo, and Guillermo really sweetly was like, hey. And you're about to leave for the night. Yeah. And I grabbed you and said, do you, do you mind doing this? Because it's you or me. And you were like, I'll do that, it. Yeah. And they did my hair up to look like hair, so her hair in the So back. there's a shot in the movie yeah. 
of a, the cab driving around, away and this carrot colored hair <laughs> in this like point and that's Guillermo and it's that's supposed amazing. to be the Angie did you get a, a credit for Angel of Featherstone so double <laughs> yeah no, I don't think so. <laughs> so this was a real like guerrilla filmmaking, yeah. right? This was it's starting to feel a little bit like it was a lot of just sort of shoot it, run and gun kind of stuff. It was it was it was it was better. It was more official than that. We had permits. Sure, okay, that's good. You know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it was a real movie, but and we, you know, had the New York at that point had great tax credits, so it was fine. Right. But in terms of the kind of potch gang, yes. Yeah. Because in a weird way, like the movie started taking on the spirit of the tone of the actual story, which mm-hmm. was you're running to New Year's Eve and it's we're running to get through this movie and figure out how to put all the pieces together. And so I think the kind of modular quality of the way the storytelling took place, I think this happens a lot with shows as well, sure. which is everything starts to imitate each other. Mm-hmm. So I think we all just kind of got weirdly scrappy about shit well it's funny because right? i always feel like yeah. the scrappy things like i mean i'm not not equating this to the films that i necessarily made in film school but you feel like you're going mm. through something together it's yeah. a little different than when it's some crazy high budget thing and it all feels very kind of i don't know like don't, a job yeah or, or the, the more money involved the more it feels like a job right the less feels like a labor of love and then right. you, you know you become a family you i mean, want it to be gritty you want it to be 20 years you know, later you guys are messy. here together and talking about yeah, this yeah. movie you did it's yeah. so exciting and yeah. oh and when uh, Guillermo walked into the to audition for scandal i almost cried i was so excited <laughs> <laughs> like i was so excited i like i started to cry because i was like oh my god it's Guillermo. and then when we cast you in scandal they let me call you i think because i was yeah. like i was like motherfucker yeah, you did. <laughs> oh that's so good because this so is great. so yeah. great that this that's happened fantastic. i know i remember seeing you two and thinking oh man how cool i know it's, it's yeah. like so it was that's so cool, cool. Yeah. But, but to your point I, th- I do think that there's this thing that starts to happen and we the first two weeks were super i mean i can say from the producerial point of view the first two weeks were were very rocky because there were a number of components that were uh, that were the, let, let's just say not stable. There were a number okay. of components in terms of the way the companies were working together. And I know who you're talking about. Who had say and who didn't have say that there was a, there was a lot of management going on. Sure. And once we sort of, I think, got the first week or so in the can, first 10 days, and people started seeing the dailies, they went, okay – these girls shouldn't be arrested and taken to <laughs> film right. prison. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Everybody laid back a little bit. And then my memory was around week two and a half, it started getting fun, which I think for all of us. We had so much fun on that movie. We actually did. Yeah. At least Do you remember the order by any chance of like how you, like which, not to, I, not to be. I, you know, I, I know that we started with Martha Plimpton. Okay. And I know that uh, Kate and Jay, I think were immediately after that. Which was a pretty big chunk. Which was a like. very big chunk. Okay. But then I think we started kind of crossing over a little bit. Right. And then it gets a little fuzzy. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. It gets well, severely there's fuzzy. There's just so many characters to service in this as well. I mean, I imagine the editing process must have been interesting, too, of, of making sure that you keep that momentum and that you're checking in on people at the right time. The structuring got to be incredibly complicated yeah. because it was it, – the script was beautifully – I think the script is great. Like, the script is incredibly tight, and we it w- we didn't have a whole lot of fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up using most stuff. But in terms of when you kept dipping back into people, that really was the challenge because you'd leave a thread, and it's where do you leave the thread, right. and yeah. how do you – And for how long. And for how long. Yeah. And in retrospect, I was talking about this today. What's funny is that I've ended up in television and out of movies because when you look at this movie – 
it's got a lot more common with TV mm-hmm. yes. than it does with movies, which mm-hmm. is why I think when people saw it, they were a little like, I don't understand what this is. Right. And I was like, in those days, like, I want to be in the movies. I think movies are, I mean, everybody's importance in movies. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to do yeah. television because yeah. nobody wanted to do television. But I was such a closet television watcher that I would work in a movie job and then I'd go home at night and I like watch television all the time. <laughs> so that this was the first thing that I was super passionate about and really fought for. This and High Fidelity were the two things sort of that I worked on and I really was championing. But it was like, now it kind of makes sense. And per your point, editing was, there was a lot of trial and error in terms of dropping people and picking up people and how do you stay engaged and... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It, it, it's a... It was a puzzle. Which does make it very, as you said, episodic and very much like television, but you have to, you know, it's like act outs. When, where do you act out on this one and how do you come in on this mm-hmm. one and all that? Today, this would be a television show. This Probably. would be, you know, mm-hmm. eight to ten and a half hours. Yeah. And you could follow a, you can follow a story till the end and then have them not meet at the, uh, at the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> was Sh- Shana Larson is her? Is Shana. Shana Larson. Yeah. Was she involved with the, with the shoot at all? Yeah, she was there. She was there for, I think, large portions of it. We had a theory. It wasn't our theory. It was Sean O'Connor's theory about uh, her her um, avatar, if you will. Yeah. So she thought she she thought sorry. Sean thought there were three specific characters that were that were um, inspired by people from her real life. Maybe you can tell us. I wrong. don't have a freaking. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. So he thought she was Gabby Hoffman. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. I, think I, that- I would I would be drawing a blank on that one because I don't I don't think. If you met Shanna Larson, she was that, – that was not – Her vibe. Not her a Gabby Hoffman. All right. So he thought – so he's totally wrong on that one. That's no, he may, one. he may not be because – Who knows what she was like when she was I don't know. 16 or yeah. 17 years Sean old. was definitely wrong. <laughs> um, then the second one was that Kate, Courtney Love was like her big sister. Does that feel right to you? This is not None the best game. Not the best game. Third one that I like the most was Kate Hudson was her worst enemy. Does that sound right? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is good. O for three uh, and O for no. one on the game. For me. <laughs> I was going to say the, the, the game is one of those games you ask and you go like, I can't play this game. They go, let's play it anyway. Yeah, that well, <laughs> that's what we do on the podcast. Yeah, it's like true. It. Yeah. It's, it's like, like a Billy Eichner thing. Force yeah. You into a home. <laughs> See what, see what happens. See how that goes. Yeah, see yeah. Like well, you know. I don't know, Guillermo. What do you think? <laughs> can, you, can, can you remember mundane details of your life? Mundane details from 20 years ago. Let's try. So, so do you remember... You remember when you got the part, you said how how quick around sort of once you got it to starting? I remember it being super quick because my hair was that long already. Okay. And I remember Risa saying, don't cut your hair. <laughs> don't cut your hair. 
Um, I think it was pretty quick, right? We yeah, it, was. Ca- it was cast and we started shooting um, right away. I also remember not I, – I don't smoke cigarettes. And for the movie, I'm smoking cigarettes. I'm doing – I remember throwing up several times like uh. – you know, after shooting and just being like, oh, man, I just ate too a many box cigarettes. of powdered donuts and smoked cigarettes. Because my character is constantly eating two yeah. hot dogs and donuts. That's and right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just remember always and feeling not really saying anything. sick. What a horrible job. <laughs> <That's> right? <laughs> <laughs> and also then I remember having to make out with Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Where I make out with worse her and like worse. hardcore in like a yeah. leather bar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'll stay oh with God. you. That's something yeah. that, that's, you but made she history. Was the sweetest, yeah. like the she's coolest. memories. Oh yeah. Yeah. You didn't get the person. ending that Casey got though. That ending with him and Kate is the best. It's so oh my amazing. God. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I'm rooting so hard for them at the end of that movie. I know. You're just like, I hope these two crazy kids can make yeah. it work. Yeah. It, there's, it's just great. And then you think Christina Ricci was in the, um, Super Bowl episode of Grey's Anatomy, which is yeah. the bomb episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand in the body the whole time, right? Hand in the body, yeah. who runs, and that was in a. Every once in a while, these people pop up again, and it's just oh like, oh my god, oh yeah. my god, this is just so bizarre. Wait, who does so many of these yeah. people again? I would imagine, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, have you have you ever worked with anybody else from this? No. Uh, well, I had done Half Baked with Dave. That's right. And Janine Garofalo was also in Half Baked. That's right. Um, but other than that, no. I, I it's such a anyone. deep bench. Like yeah. I imagine these people are, especially you know, considering how much television you've made, yeah. it feels yeah. like it they did. must pop up all the time. No, and like Nicole Ari Parker was in the office. Sure. I almost said, hey, we're having a party over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. Was she there today? Was she there today? And I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> not in my memory. But it's, so good. it's possible. She's so good in 200 cigarettes too. She, Nicole. She's yeah. great. She's, good, uh, she's really, she was really funny because she was like, oh man, that movie. <laughs> That so many people come up and kind of go, kids come up and go, I, wow, I love that movie. But, you know, I had done Stonewall with Nicole. So I had worked with Nicole. That too. was before, right? That was before yeah. 200 Cigarettes. Yeah. Anyway, it's a crazy, it, it's, it's a really incredible cast. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a really special movie. Do you, what would you say is your most lasting memory of this film? Like the thing that, that, uh-huh. sort, if you can say it on mic, <laughs> the thing that when people say 200 cigarettes to you, what's like the first memory that comes to mind? Um, there, there, so many, there's so many of them. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> so one of them, the ones that are okay for saying, I can't on believe mic. I'm going to tell the story. Okay. So this actually didn't happen in the movie. One of my lasting memories of 200 cigarettes was after the film was made. I don't he's the production designer. Mm-hmm. She's hysterical. Mm-hmm. She like, we've been through, We've been through this whole incredibly amazing bonding experience. Sure. We also, you just have to remember that we've been shooting nights, which means I've been living on a night schedule. Sure. Full time for, the worst. for weeks You're a vampire, and weeks basically. and weeks. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was like, I remember like staying up all night and watching like behind the music. <laughs> like <laughs> over and over and over again. And we could have hung out. <laughs> Why did you call me up? So <laughs> I would order like mushu tofu. That and it'd be great. like four in the morning and I'd be sitting and watching it. And the great thing about, you know, behind the music is they're all the same. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just amazing high. And then they find drugs. Yeah. Success <laughs> rise gets and fall. to them. It's bad. So we go out one night and we're just like, oh, we can't believe we did this. It was so much fun. This is so great. And we go out and we get absolutely totally lit. And we go down back to these sort of East Villagey area and we decide we're going to get tattoos. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, for anybody who doesn't know me, I'm 
<clears throat> the least tattooy tattoo person you've ever met. Like I'm. You don't really scream tattoos. I don't. Scream no tattoos. exposed tattoos right now. That I get. None. It, yes. yes. None. Exactly. <laughs> so I could see her hands, neck, and face. Just, 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 <laughs> so no, no twenty-one savage. No cheek sleeves. Tattoo. No sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. So basically, but I think, God darn it, I'm gonna get a tattoo. So, <laughs> so we're both just like, she's like, okay, let's do it. So we're standing there outside this tattoo parlor. It's like two in the morning. And she's like, okay, I think I know I'm going to get it. What are you going to get? I'm just standing up looking at all these tattoos. And I realized I don't have a clue what I would get. Yeah, forever. So, for, yeah. Well, right. And she's looking at me. She's going, what are you going to get? And I go, Tweety Bird. <laughs> 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 the, kind, the kindest thing I can't believe I'm telling a story the kindest thing that and wherever Ina is hi and thank you she looked at me and she said I don't think that that is a rational decision <laughs> so maybe this isn't the best idea and we should get on with our lives oh that's and good. so she didn't so, get one either no we but we okay. just moved on with our that's lives because yeah. I think it was more Tweety of a bird. it was I couldn't think of anything and I looked sure. up and there was a big Tweety Bird and can you imagine if I got oh Tweety Bird? That's, like that's a- quickly, and God bless Tweety Bird. What a delightful character. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not throwing no, shade at no Tweety Bird. I'm not throwing any shade on Tweety. Tweety is awesome, and Tweety yeah, has a great. place. Yeah. But talking about, like, no imagination, and, like, how about my dog Penny when I was growing up? <laughs> something. Yeah. Like, something, but that, that weirdly... Wow. Dodge a bullet. Dodge a bullet. And I also, I remember, I remember the scene, I think, the weird thing is, I remember chunks of every single thing we shot. Sure. So there, that's the thing that immediately comes to mind. But there's, there's like, the scene of Paul and Courtney in the bar mm-hmm. is the thing that I think comes back a lot to me. And also, Kate and Jay Moore having to eat endless amounts of. Chinese food? Yeah. Is it Indian food? Indian food? Oh, I thought it was Chinese, but you might be right. It's Indian. It's Indian. Indian. And watching them do take after take after take after take. And Kate... God bless her in her cotton socks. I think that was a form of cruelty. We talked a lot about how she's well, great she in this movie. Poop on her so back all movies. She's, she's just got poop. She's being thrown into. So she's just, it's game. So game. And she's so, so game. good at, at physical comedy. Yeah. You know, she obviously does more of that in the years, you know, afterwards, but still, like, just she really, really brings it in this movie. Yeah, she's good. Do she's you a- have any uh, memories that. Uh- <laughs> I have, I have so many too, but I, I remember being in the hair makeup trailer and <laughs> back in the day that for continuity, they used to take photos with a Polaroid. Right, right. Back in the day. I remember that. And they used to get a whole punch. Yeah. They used to hole punch. It's like called a dagger yeah. type. <laughs> <laughs> they used to hole punch the, the bottom of the Polaroid oh God, right. so they could put them on a my, ring. My right. first job was actually the Polaroid shaker. No. Yeah, I said. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> You shook it like a Polaroid. Right. I like it though. Wow. He and I are both like rude. <laughs> no, no, I, but I mean, I'm old enough too. I remember I the remember Polaroids. Polaroids. I remember them. <laughs> the, so the ring is so that throughout the shoot, they have all well, of the every looks. department head or what right. or the you know the wardrobe department everybody had a ring with all their polaroids on right. it so they could see the you know check For continuity, continuity yeah. and stuff oh yeah and i remember being in the hair makeup trailer in the i don't remember who it was but they were like oh look at you know these are all courtney's and they were like she makes us cross her face out and all of her polaroids her face was crossed out with like a marker fair <laughs> which yeah. i guess she tracks. didn't want all these polaroids to I be guess. out there but yeah I don't know why that's stuck in my head. It's but just that'll, all that'll stay with you, just a bunch of X's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, you're right. And I remember also for her, 
one of my part-time jobs was bodyguard. So oh, and you can imagine oh, yeah. slight <laughs> n- no sign of no any tattoos. tattoos. <laughs> That's right. But man, I'm angry. So that was good. So we would walk the part of my job was we'd walk down the street to get to and people would try to take photos of her and I had umbrellas. So I would be, right. I'd walk. To hit people with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. To block her. And yeah. That would have been a lead. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's abuse. It's yeah. abuse. Very penguinish. Yeah. Yeah. It was really like she actually, we couldn't go anywhere. Like, do you I'm remember? Because sure. I was an issue on the yeah. street. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, when does, when does uh, celebrity skin come out? What, what year Celebrity skin out? actually came out actually after that. Oh, okay. really? Because she did. was recording it during the period of time in which we were doing that. Because it oh, felt like, because she, this is crazy. She stops making movies after 99. Her, her, she, her she basically does. It's I, the craziest thing. I think she does. She, I think she, because right. celebrity skin comes out and she becomes a rock star again and she's doing all of that and then she just never goes back to acting. Wow. She was in an episode of Empire, I think, yeah. and what have you, but for the most part, and it's a real shame because I see her in this movie. She's fantastic in this movie. She's great in Larry Flint. She's great in Man on the Moon. And she was almost, um, she was almost Helen Bonham Carter in Fight Club. That's Apparently right. Fincher oh, really wanted her for would've that. Would have been great. Would have been great. She would have been great. She might not have been available for us. She might not have been available for you. <laughs> you, you but know, it's you know what? Same year. Celebrity Celebrity Skin came out after in 1999. We can do it. Oh, there you go. Great. Yes. We just got to find a way to get Courtney Love. But Betsy. But it's but it's it's amazing to I me. I can actually. But, <laughs> oh, literally, be. literally recently, somebody was like. You know, I see Courtney all the time. Yeah. I was like, tell her to say hi. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure she was like, you what? What? Yeah. Um, but it's it's a shame because she has a whole she, other yeah, really gear. Good. She had a whole other career that we just never got to see, which is a bummer. Okay. Yeah. So now what about you guys? When did you see it and what was your reaction and what were you doing? So I saw it in 99. Uh, did you see it in 99? Soon after. I saw it on uh, on VHS pretty much as soon as it came out. I wanted to see this movie. I saw it in the theater. It was Because about- this cast... Again, I was, you know, 1999, I'm in film school. Right. Um, it's my first year of film school. It's, you know, it had a great cast that mm-hmm. if you knew sort of anything about movies, you couldn't, you could tell like, this is a really great cast. And I was just really curious to see what it was. I also, I mean, I'm a sucker for a big ensemble movie too. I mean, Magnolia is probably my favorite film of 99 or certainly that or being John Malkovich. But I just love kind of a big sweeping, a whole bunch of people just kind of bouncing off of each other and seeing sort of the interconnectivity of, mm-hmm. of life and all of that. So it spoke to me in all of those ways. And it has a great soundtrack. I mean, it's, it's just brimming with every 80s hit you could want. I crammed them in as tight as I could. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. It's it's propulsive and it's fun. And it's and it's also just, it's a nice romantic comedy. And I'm also a sucker for, for romantic comedies. So <laughs> I... Uh, I, I'm 99% sure I wanted to see it because it seemed like a movie for, for bad kids, <laughs> which like I consider myself to be a bad kid, as sure. you can tell by like my se- my sensible sweater. Um, <laughs> You're really yeah. rocking it. We're covered in tattoos. We are a rebel yeah. look. We are wearing the exact same clothes. It's <laughs> 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 fantastic. So just, just for the great. listening audience, yeah. I have to describe that you are actually wearing a gray... And gray. gray striped sweater, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing a blue and white striped sweater, <laughs> yes. and we're both wearing jeans, yes. and we look like two rejects from the preppy farm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's nothing yeah. punk rock about either. No, 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 no. But, but, 
I was bad. I don't know if you were bad. Oh, but- I was so boring. Uh, <laughs> I was so fucking dull. I didn't get even vaguely interesting until my uh, 30s. So there you go. Well, I got I got sober by 30, so it all got real boring. So but- we evened out. Yeah, well, I, I, I took you to you 30, off, and then exactly. you know, yeah. <laughs> So I, I thought like that was like bad, like 200 cigarettes. Yeah. How bad that smoking, is. Man. Yeah, yeah. Smoking, man. Smoking. I was at, I was 17. I'm like smoking. Like this, these are my people. Yeah. So uh, I remember watching it on either DVD or VHS. Who knows? Um, I remember like truly falling in love with Kate Hudson. I don't think I ever knew her before that, but just thinking. I don't know. think I did. I mean, she literally had done one to two movies yeah. and one was tiny. Yeah. And like Almost Famous comes right off of this, right? So she yeah. shoots that after this movie. I think I saw yeah. this before oh, I saw Almost Famous. Um, I this must did. have been out on VHS like mid 99. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and also it was kind of out there that she was Goldie Hawn's daughter. So like there was that kind of curiosity factor too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do, I remember really thinking it was great, but not nearly as great as I think it is now. Like there are little nuances now that really speak to me. And when we did the podcast the first time, the thing that really uh, it captured that I don't know how you guys even thought of this is um, making a New Year's movie about how much New Year sucks and like how, how, like, like how, like the, 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 the emotional stress of finding someone to sleep with or kiss being lost in New York in like the eighties or, you know, my kids nineties, like just feeling this like sense of like ennui almost. And then the wish fulfillment of actually having that New Year's party night that I've never had. Yep. But I always and not want, showing it and not showing the party. Which would have been which a letdown. Key. But as I said, Dave Chappelle <clears throat> narrating Polaroids well before the hangover <laughs> was brilliant. Yeah. Right? So that and then all the coda beats. Like yeah. all the coda beats are so fulfilling mm-hmm. so i i really think this is one of the movies we've done that had the biggest come up I for agree. us i agree mm-hmm. uh, and now like when we talk about you know at, we did like our we both on twitter we did our like top five or at least i did my top five movies directed by women in 99 mm-hmm. and like this made that you know mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. question it's kind of amazing you don't see a lot of movies directed by women written by women produced by women um in from 99 wow. well, that's true so they're yeah. either I, mean, I think it's like boys don't cry. Is that boys don't cry? Probably that might be the only Christine other one that Bichon, comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, and starring uh, Hillary Swank. Right? Yeah, they're not. I mean, you know, Matrix, but they're not a ton. Yep. And um, yeah, this is this is kind of a unique bird in that sense. I also kind of love that it it sort of deconstructs two tropey things, which is the one crazy night and the New Year's party, mm-hmm. and it doesn't fall into either of the traps of those two things. I mean, the, the biggest one being that it doesn't show the party, which I really think is a stroke of genius. Um, the party is so much better in our heads mm-hmm. as to what went down yep. than anything that you could have shown. Um, and I just, and, and the one crazy night of it all doesn't feel like you're leaning into that. It doesn't feel that crazy. I want to go a step further. Sense. Yeah. The, it's grounded. The obvious move is to show the party and have it be a disaster. Sure. That's what everyone would do in every other movie. That's what you're expecting through the movie, too, which totally. is part of the point. Mm-hmm. And I love the mega happy ending of this movie. Like, that's why I like, mm-hmm. that's why at yeah. the end of the day, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but truthfully, it's, it, it, it's, it really does. And it, it, it zigs when you think it's going to zag a little bit. Like, I, I remember sitting in the theater, and when uh, Casey Affleck ends up with, with uh, Kate Hudson, I didn't see that coming. No. That was a, a, an absolute sort of, you know, I don't want to say twist, but it was just, it went in a direction that I didn't think it was going to go. Yeah. I think it just, part of it, too, 
And I think maybe the reason why at the time it might not have hit as much of a vein is that I think people went into it with preconceived notions. You know, mm-hmm. the, the poster and the like, oh, okay, I, I know what this is, but there's a lot more going on in it. And I think I didn't get a lot of it in 99. And I think now being older and being able to sort of see it through that lens, ha- I think it's, having had too many horrible New Year's Eves. <laughs> sure. I haven't had a good one yet. So. Right. Well, no one does. <laughs> That's the point. That's the thing. That's but, the point. Yeah. They're, they're just, they, they, those things are, as you said, it's like they are they are built in our lives to make us feel insecure and like we suck mm-hmm. because it will never live up to your expectation. And it was one of the first amazing attractions about the script because that was the script. The script was the, all about the hideous, not only the pressure of finding a party, but what is it like to have to throw a party, uh, yeah, which terrible. to me was like, yeah. you know, the core of it. I never threw a New Year's Eve party. I never had the guts, but this character who decides to take this on herself and is so filled with self-loathing mm-hmm. and yeah. is desperately so trying good. to sort Hold this it together is, yeah. is every single one of us. Anytime we've had anybody come Absolutely. over for anything, yeah, anytime you have any party, the, the biggest for you have is no one's going to show no up. No one's going to show up. No one's going to come and it's just going to be, an, and, and, well. she, and Martha so perfectly embodies that. And let's just remember <clears> this was before Trader Joe's hummus trios. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which as we all know, it's pretty much yeah. makes a party. Oh, a couple of oh. carrot sticks and some- <laughs> yeah, you're all set. Yeah, you're and done. Bob's you're good to go. fucking uncle. <laughs> she would have been fine if she had the oh. hummus tree out. Oh man, that's hysterical. So, um, do you guys go rem- to Trader Joe's right after this? <laughs> so hungry. For you're some hungry. Yeah. You're hungry, aren't you? Think about the red pepper hummus, especially. Oh, yeah. yeah. All oh, right, yeah. so that was a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want, while we have you, real quick, I just do you remember some of your favorite films from '99? Oh yeah. Uh, okay, very uh, controversial, but I loved Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, oh we did. We love it. I yeah, loved yeah, Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. Like I saw yeah. Eyes Wide Shut like twice. It's the best. I loved it. Um, I thought Fight Club was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved The Matrix. Sure. Um, I was listening to Gomez, who I later exploited dramatically on Grey's Anatomy. Like sure. Endlessly loved Gomez, loved My Morning Jacket, uh-huh. loved, uh, I got into Dusty Springfield at that time. I had some friends who got me a whole bunch of older stuff that I was listening to at the same time. So it was, it was like those movies and like that music. And then you're watching a lot of TV in 99 I was, as well. So. Yeah, I just, so yeah. you're, you're, you know, ER, Ali McBeal, The Practice. I love The Practice. Sopranos, Sex and the City. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, sure. Sopranos and The Practice probably. Of, mm-hmm. Of the bunch, I think, were the things. I mean, who didn't love The Sopranos? Like, you'd have to be yeah. not living yeah. in... Nothing. <laughs> yeah, have no... Were yeah. you New York-based? Uh, I was originally New York-based, but I was by this time, obviously, living in Los Angeles to make the movie. Where are you from? Uh, Long Island. Okay, I'm from Westchester. You are? Okay, yeah. see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in 1981, I just moved to New York City. So I oh, was cool. in Manhattan... New Year's Eve. So this movie really taps into, you know, I was your not, experience. Yeah, it was. Well, I was not in the Lower East Side. Risa actually had a way cooler experience. She was okay. way fucking cooler than I was. <laughs> and she told all these stories about hanging in East Village and going to like CBGBs and all this crap. And I was living with an older actor on the Upper West Side and <laughs> just, just really not being very interesting and doing really bad improv. And that's so amazing. That's literally my dream. <laughs> I want to live. I, mean, I don't want to live with Woody Allen, but I want to live in one of those Woody <laughs> Allen apartments. You know, he had a Woody Allen apartment, and technically, just so we're clear, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't live with him. <laughs> Very clear. It was a really nice apartment. I just really wish I could have had the apartment because um, it would have been a lot easier. But that was like 
And Risa would tell me all these great stories. And a lot of the things that we did got infused by Risa's experience, which was way cooler than mine. And then I infused things like Kate Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Hudson feels like... Uh, yeah. Because my Eric experience was things like someone tried to mug me and I took them on with a bag of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was. That's great. Was oh, my, 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 my pure. It was no. great. Oh. Kids tried to mug me, and I had a bag of fruit, and I was really angry. It feels like New York was a real scary place in the eighties. Is the impression that I get? It was. Oh, yeah. I mean, did it you was live like, in New York in the eighties? I did. Yeah, in Washington Heights in Manhattan. Okay, uptown. I got. I. I. I, I forget the number of times I. I've been mugged when I was a teenager in my early twenties. Like no joke. Like innumerable times. You just- oh, all the time at knife point. I got mugged at gunpoint once. I oh still have a, a scar on the back of my head. Not to bring this podcast down. No, but, no, no. I mean, no. but this is the fun stuff. Yeah, this is the good stuff. <laughs> Finally got to the yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, tell me about the scars. <laughs> but like, oh, so because I, I mean, I'm I'm from. For everyone knows on a podcast, but I'm from Toronto originally, I so I'm, I'm, so I'm, nice. I'm, the from, I'm a nice streets. mean streets of Canada, yeah. Toronto. Tower. But uh, so I don't really have any. Rogers my perspective Field. of New York is movies and television. Uh, like that is yeah. that is how I know, and it's and that's a pretty wide. It was the canon. Warriors in yeah. real life? I was Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Warriors without the baseball furies. Really? Like, yeah, it was, it was I don't that. Know. I mean, but I, I mean, you would get you would get on the train sometimes and yeah. think. All right, you you would have to like scope. At least I would. You'd scope people out and look at people and be like, "All right, am I going to get killed in this car? Should I move?" You would stand by the oh door. Yeah, you were right. you were in a that was that was rough. I mean, I was yeah. Upper West Side before Upper West Side was like I was ninety mm. third between Columbus and Amsterdam, yeah. and it was just transitional at mm-hmm, that point, mm-hmm. which is a nice way of saying that you know people with checkbooks hadn't fully encroached into an interesting <laughs> area that had a lot of diversity. So I lived next to a high school, like a Catholic boys high school and which I don't know whoever went there and in a really kind of shabby building and there were bodegas in each corner. And once you got to know the neighbors, everyone looked out for each other, which was really mm-hmm. nice. Right. But the flip side of it was you couldn't go further down Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was definitely became a sort of terrifying. So you, you knew sort of block by block, didn't yeah. you? It was yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. knew that there was one block you could walk down and then there's another block you could yeah. not walk down. And the most confusing thing when I moved to California was you couldn't figure yeah, out you if you were in a bad area. Yeah. The first indication was simply the kind of cars that people were driving and what are the window were there gates on the windows. Yeah. And that was the only way I knew oh, yeah. that I was in an area that might have transitioned into an area <laughs> I might not want. But right. that yeah. was the scariest thing about LA, because New York you really finally kind of figured you could see yeah. to some degree when you got on the sideway car if you should move the sideway cars. Yeah. There were just certain indications that were sort of like, Welcome to New York. Yeah. Here, don't go down this block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, how and why did it change? I guess is my question. Is it? Is it just let's crazy not, to let's say not? No. <laughs> it feels like it's Rudy Giuliani, why right? Let's not say that. Why did you? Why did you know? So it, that's that's that that was the change. I mean, is that really? I'm, I it was just the need to ask the question. It was the beginning I mean, of the Disneyfication of New York. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's I mean, when Times Square became Disneyland, and that's mm-hmm. when all of it sort of changed. They were yeah. the, the good old. I mean, eighty early eighties. My best friend lived on Forty Six and Tenth. And that was Westies territory. I mean, that was like (laughs) full out Westies. And she was sort of protected with the neighborhood. But that whole thing was, it was, you know, lots of hookers and lots of like strip joints. And, but weirdly, there was a community there. And it just, not to wax Mm -hmm. nostalgic about, you know, periods of time where (laughs) people were cutting people up in bathtubs. It's not that. It's just... (laughs) There was, and it was scary, but right. there was, 
it had a character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think now so that just all just got pushed away. It either got brushed under into other areas or just cracked down on. And that's why. Well, that essentially all when out. money comes in and money starts buying things up and right. people can't afford to live there anymore. It's the urban planning story from Paris on down. So okay. every major city for the most part, I think has gone through the same sort of experience of the, 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 the people who are in weird way are the lifeblood, the people who work in the jobs, mm-hmm. the people who are striving to get all those people are sort of pushed out to the margins and it's super true mm-hmm. now when you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now there, there, there are pockets of sort of interesting stuff and underground, you know, spots where you can go and, and there are cool clubs and bars and stuff like that. But it's, it's do you go back yeah. to New York? Yeah. My, my family's all still there. Oh, okay. So yeah, I go back often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great city. And, and I do think that, you know, it, we've had, we've had a bunch of New York movies it's an incredible city, but now it it now it feels less like a um, now it feels more like a monument to American capitalism right. than a place that you know was built up by generation to generation to generation. I feel almost like in the late really the early nineties there was just a coat of paint put on the whole thing, mm. and a lot of people were pushed out to the outer boroughs and then in the 2000s with bloomberg people were pushed out beyond the outer boroughs right because mm-hmm. now like oh, yeah brooklyn and brooklyn bronx, bronx yeah. queens yeah. harlem it's it's, it's all gentrified gentrified yeah. that's right um and you know there have been some strongholds like in the village but even that those are still like really rich but kids. I, I do think that this film captures new york really really well mm-hmm. i think it has that character that you're speaking of but it's also fun you know very few dead hookers in this well, movie well i also like that there are characters uh, like less less counting on yeah. <laughs> zero zero, zero. We, yeah. work, we worked hard at that. We worked hard. and i and i like didn't take the note <laughs> <laughs> more dead hookers who doesn't yeah. want a dead hooker mtv yeah. loves yeah. their dead they hookers yeah. silly just yeah. <laughs> I love that there are characters like Guillermo's character and Casey's character who are the people who were quote unquote scary. scary yeah, yeah. And they're just nice people. Yeah, like that's yeah. really what most people are just nice people, you yeah, know, not yeah. who just like to dress in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's, those aren't obvious characters to put in, you know, what essentially is, you know, a more or less white movie in New York um, about like nice girls from Long Island. It's also a movie that, Sadly, I don't think it's made today, Mm-mm. you know, and we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. You know, there's 350 some odd movies that we're covering over the course of 99 and so many of them would not get made today. Mm. Um, and a lot of them would be probably television shows. You I, know, think Betsy could mm. get it made I think Betsy could get it made today. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy could get it made today. Betsy could get it made today. Just give, me, give, me, give me a couple of movies. Let me see if I can get movies. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it is, it's sort of, it's a movie that feels like it falls into a category that just doesn't get made today, which is a film that's aimed, I guess, I mean, young people for the most part. Mm-hmm. Those are comic book movies now. Those are franchise movies now. They don't, or they direct to Netflix. Or they're direct to Netflix. A lot of, Netflix makes a lot of movies, not necessarily like this, but right. for that audience. For that audience, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, think, I think so. And what we were hoping was, I think we weren't even... I don't because we were both, you know, women who are not in our teens. Like sure. we, we thought that this was something that actually adults could watch too, because you could relate to the hideousness of the experience mm-hmm. um, and the humiliation, the horror of it at the same time. So, what you sort of hope with those the, this sort of story is that the universality of hating New Year's Eve and for the kids, it's okay. watching wacky. Do you remember the movie After Hours? Sure, yeah, 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 it's a great. Which movie. was, I think, earlier, but 
Um, yeah, it was in the like 80s, 85, 80s, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. But I remember watching that. I was living in New York at the time and watching that. And on one hand, it was delightfully ridiculous. And on yes. the other hand, I got so hung up with the, I don't understand because he could just walk. <laughs> When you you lived in New York, you'd go, whoa, just walk. Until he becomes encased in plaster, he could totally walk. He could totally walk. But it was like, and my friend kept going, you're missing the point of the movie. It's just you get, it's like you're missing the point. It's like, New York is hell. But that reminds me of something, that kind of crazy, fun Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you you go, you never know what you're going to meet on the street. To what you're saying about uh, four adults, four kids, um, obviously there were the cool kids like me who love cigarettes. And then there were like <laughs> people who were in their 30s who can relate to the universality of how, you know, kind of rough it is to be young, a young uh, in an urban environment, not having a ton of cash. Um, I think we're doing a miniseries right now on Freaks and Geeks. We are. And the Freaks and Geeks idea was the same thing. Um, the idea that this show is actually for people who are in their late 20s early 30s and maybe we'll get the kids too but that's kind of funny that there aren't a ton of things that fall into this fall into that category Mm -hmm. yeah period pieces um about teenagers which is this is just a these are just hard sells now you know what i mean it it feels Mm -hmm. like they're just periods expensive i mean people get scared by how much they cost to make we say every week you couldn't make freaks and geeks you absolutely cannot make freaks and geeks today i mean i i I don't know. It certainly wouldn't be on NBC. You may be able to get away with it on a, on a cable streaming, depending on who your producers are and sure. who's in it. But yeah, it's, it, and, and these wonderful, part of the great thing about this podcast is these relics, these wonderful things that we're finding on reappraisal. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of that. A movie that, you know, I liked back in 99, but I wouldn't say knocked me, you know, knocked my socks off. This time around, I was just so taken with so much of it. It was just, it's, it's really a special movie. Cool. Thank you so much for making it, guys. Thank you. For being a part of it and for coming on here. I wanted to talk about it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, I mean. Pretty cool you guys came on. It's it's really, we're we're incredibly grateful. It's really fun. It's like any chance I get to hang out with Guillermo. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm purely Guillermo driven. Let's go get tats. Let's go get tatted. This is your chance. Come on, let's all get Tweety Birds. Tweety Birds. Let's commit. We don't know I say. Fuck Al Pacino. You'll always be Scarface to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Thank you I mean so much that for, for being the bottom here. of my heart. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. So next week, we are doing um, everyone's favorite Thai movie. I don't know. Is it Thailand? It's, well, it's, it's that or uh, Anna and the King. I don't know which one your favorite yeah, 90, Thai movie 99, is. Yeah. Uh, so Broke okay. Down Palace, guys, with, uh, with Danielle Savory and Barrett Doss uh, came in to talk about, you know, they, they travel as friends periodically. So we thought it'd be fun to have a movie about friends that travel and get yeah. uh, trapped in a Thai prison. Yeah, you know. It's- girls trip. <laughs> broke Down Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah just sure. The classic genre. <laughs> um it's, it's a awesome. fun episode. Love those girls. Yeah, they're both amazing. Um, they're they're both great. And and the movies, the movie raised a lot of interesting things. I mean, I, I, socio politically and otherwise, it's a strange movie, um, but it's got some some good stuff in it. Uh, you know, Danielle and Barrett are are hilarious and wonderful as always. And you know, Claire Danes and Kate Beckinsale before she was Kate Beckinsale, I guess. Yeah. Of. And it's like kind uh, of one of her first things she's did, yeah. did for American audiences. And Bill Pullman, you know, everyone's favorite yeah, Bill Pullman. Yeah. Wow. I love Bill Pullman. He's Who doesn't so love cool. Bill Pullman? Um, I think, uh, Broke Down Palace is remembered somewhat fondly. I think it is too. And, um, 
You'll see. I think it's, I think it's kind of, and I don't say this to be gender, what have you, but, uh, it does feel like a, a teenage girl movie that a lot of teenage girls watched around that time. I think that it kind of, as like a sort of cautionary tale sort of thing. Um, I also think that the ending is a, it's an ending that people still talk about weirdly. It's a kind of shocking ending. Watch the movie. You won't believe it. (laughs) Um, it's a, it's, look, it's broke down palace. I had never seen it and, uh, it's not what I thought it was. So I, I I give it a little brownie points for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So next week, uh, broke down palace with Daniel Savory and Barrett Doss. Uh, tune in then. Thanks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.